My name is Brenda. Yeah, thanks. I made it back. Someone said, welcome back. I almost didn't make it back. Um, we had some great leadership meetings, national leadership meetings, all the area pastor care leaders, uh, which I am one of, and all the task force leaders, the regional task force leaders, which Michael and I are one of, and all the ROs, which we're not yet, um, <clears throat> our um, meeting once a year, and we just got done doing that. It was this week in San Antonio, and, um, you know, it's just so cool to gather with the larger vineyard family, and it always just makes me so glad to be part of this tribe that we're a part of and this family. And so we had a, a really good time just meeting as leaders and talking about the things God's done in the last 10 years in the vineyard and kind of what, what we see him calling us to as, as a movement and um, it was a really great, great week. And then we got stuck in the airport trying to get home. And so we're sitting in San Antonio last night for about four hours at our gate when they decided that they wouldn't be able to fly us to Minneapolis because the pilot would have been four minutes over his allotted, allowed flight time by the time he got to Minneapolis. So the FAA approved it and said he could do it, and the union said he couldn't. And so uh, he went ahead and flew without us to Minneapolis so that the plane and he could get where they were going and we had to stay there. It was a bummer. <laughs> it's really a bummer to, you know, like go through security, check your bag, sit at the gate. You can see the plane. You're like, come on, come on, come on, let me on. And, you know, and then you can just see it all falling apart right before your eyes and you have to run and cha you have to try to get to the front of the line because 200 people are going back to ticketing. Uh, to get rebooked for tomorrow and get their hotel voucher. And then we all run to the shuttle, try to get to the, <laughs> get in bed really quick so you can get up at five and come back and do it all again. It's kind of like going in circles. And this is why I hate traveling. <laughs> I'd much rather stay with you guys all the time. But um, there's ministry to do and people keep asking us to come. So in uh, 35 hours, we board a plane for uh, Europe. We're going to go do uh, some ministry for 15 days in a number of different vineyard churches there that we've had relationship with for the last 10 years or so. And uh, I'm really excited. I'm going to teach the gospel of wholeness uh, probably a dozen times. Not that many, really. Just <laughs> exaggerating it right now. Um, everything's a little exaggerated right now. So, um, but And uh, we're going to do a cause conference. Michael and I are going to do a cause conference for all the Ireland churches. And we're going to teach in uh, several different churches on the weekends and meet with lots of their leaders during the weekdays. So you can be praying for us. It'll be a lot of ministry in a short amount of time. And before you know it, we'll be sitting somewhere trying to get back home again. <laughs> and I'll say, this is why I hate traveling. If not for the ministry, I wouldn't do it. Well, um, I'm just going to share really briefly tonight um, on some of the sources of healing and how healing comes to us, and um, and then I think we're going to we're going to pray about several different things tonight. But in in Matthew 9:35, I'm going to read this passage, and then we're just going to look at a couple different places in Scripture, and then I want to give you four different ways that we receive healing, or places, or sources that we get healing from. And some of them are bad, and some of them are good. So you want to just note the good ones, and um, we'll have to deal with the bad ones during ministry time, I think. So Matthew 9.35 says this, Jesus traveled through all the cities and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And wherever he went, 
He healed people of every sort of disease and illness. He felt great pity for the crowds that came, and, and it was because they had so many problems. Their problems were so great that they didn't know where to go for help. And it says they were sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for his fields. And I think we've heard this passage attributed more probably to evangelism, the, the Lord of the harvest and the idea of the harvest, uh, because that's our kind of interpretation of what the harvest is and who's being harvested. But you've got to kind of look at the big picture here and the context that it's in, and it's couched right in the middle of these incredible testimonies of Jesus' healing the sick from all sorts of problems. And you can just kind of read these really incredible stories of healing. And so I think what happened was people got healed and they got saved. And I, I think we don't always understand the full ramifications or the full aspect of the kingdom. Uh, if we kind of think that it's just about people getting saved and becoming followers of Jesus, uh, but people actually saw these signs and these wonders from Jesus. They experienced healing and then they put their faith in him because of that. And the Bible says they were made completely whole because they put their faith in him. So they were whole spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Uh, Matthew 4.24, I'm just going to give you a little snapshot of, of what the Gospels say here about some of the ministry that Jesus did. News about him spread far beyond the borders of Galilee so that the sick were soon coming to be healed from as far away as Syria. And whatever their illness and pain, or if they were possessed by, and it, a more proper interpretation would say harassed or influenced by demons, or were epileptics or were paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. John twenty thirty says, Jesus' disciples saw him do many other miracles and signs and wonders besides the ones recorded in the Bible. Like they saw him do so many, but, but these ones that we have in the Bible are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. So again, you see the signs and wonders and then the salvation, hand in hand. Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So the healings that are recorded in Scripture, the ones that we actually get to read about, are the, the dramatic, or uh, they're the ones that, you know, if you witnessed them, it would rearrange your thinking forever and ever. You would never be the same again. You would never forget what you saw Jesus do. And, and Jesus performed lots and lots of other miracles, too. And some of the other things that we see that he healed people from are, uh, and probably this is something that I hear a lot of people talk about today, that um, they want to know if Jesus, you know, would ever heal this kind of stuff. Um, and I think he does, and I think that's some of what he wants to do tonight. Jesus healed personality disturbances and everything, like from, you know, wild hysteria, people self-mutilating themselves and, um, you know, running around like kind of barbaric people out in the wilderness, uh, anxiety, compulsions, depression, uh, neurotic kinds of worries or anxiety, or even um, there's places and stories of Jesus healing people that were kind of walking around in a catatonic stupor. I feel like that sometimes, um, too. 
but all of that he did by getting rid of demons or de- demonic influence that were just troubling or afflicting people or oppressing people. And, and so when sin entered God's perfectly designed world, I mean, you know, you, you get that, right? Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, perfectly designed world. And uh, the battle started, and it started when sin entered the Garden of Eden. And, and then it became this battle of pushing back the enemy all the time and letting God's kingdom come in the present so that we could overthrow all of this satanic work, this oppression, these things that we see he does, the havoc that he wreaks in, in the lives of, of our lives and in, in the lives of people that God really loves. And so that's why we see Jesus and have all these stories, just what was his day like? He was walking around all the time because it's not God's heart for you to be afflicted by the enemy. And he's not just playing some sick game uh, with you uh, by leaving you here on earth, but he wants you to be a part of this, the battle that's winning, not the battle that's losing, which is, is pushing back Satan. And so he wants you to be part of that kingdom clash um, and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't want or will people to be sick or ill or have diseases. And so that's where we come in. We get to bring his heart on the matter. We get to bring God's will to earth. And, you know, he also casted out loads of demons. In fact, you know, if you kind of made a list of his itinerary, you would see that Jesus casts out demons every day. And I think we you know, are in a rut. If we're only doing some deliverance or breaking the power of lies off of people or, you know, telling Satan to get out and leave people alone, um, you know, on a couple of year basis, a semi-annual basis. I think we're missing quite a few days there if we want to start to model our lives after Jesus. Because we have just as much demonic stuff in our lives. It's just sometimes a little bit more disguised. I was praying for a friend, a pastor, some close pastor friends of ours that pastor out in um, Denver, and um, I had this woman has had terrific, horrific, like um, migraines now for some months, and they've done you know absolutely every test imaginable on her, and she's the healthiest person they've seen, you know, so. There's no indication of anything physical. There's no medication that's touching this. Um, it's just the biggest mystery. And so she, one of the things she wanted to do was get prayer this last week. And so we set up a time to do that. And it was interesting as I started to pray, I, I, don't, I don't know the mystery of what's going on. And, you know, so we're just trying to lean into and listen to God's ear. But he showed me this picture as I just started to pray in the spirit and just lay hands on her head and stuff. For a while, and I, I sort of felt the Holy Spirit just come in power, and something was kind of rising up in me. And I saw this picture, and it was just this black tar stuff that was just kind of wrapped around her, her head and and her spine and her neck, and it it made me mad. I mean, like I just felt this agitation, like this is wrong. This isn't God, and I felt like God said that this is very spiritual, and that. Uh, there was some significance to the fact that the enemy was just on it, and he just wanted to oppress and harass her. And as we, as we lean into a little bit more and just prayed and talked about it, the last six months has probably been the most powerful time of her life as a woman in ministry, just embracing what God's doing in her, her what his call is. We actually prayed together 
at the national conference in Galveston, and um, there was a real impartation and just this, uh, this empowering that happened uh, that was really uh, intense. And ever since then, it's kind of been harass, 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 and then this thing started a couple months ago, and, and it's like all you can do to think you know, in a day, let alone be who God created you to be and, and do ministry with other people. So as we started to just pray over that and just break its power, we, we just kind of went to battle and you know, started fighting in the spirit for her. And about 10 days ago, she just lost her fight. She's overcome with the words chronic. You know, the doctor said, you're just going to have this chronic pain, this mysterious chronic pain, and it kind of cursed her. So we broke that off, and we just began to do some warfare, kind of praying over her, uh, me and one other woman. And when, she first, when I first started praying for her, uh, she, she grabbed me. It was a little bit abrupt and, and spontaneous. She said, I'm, I'm, my head hurts so bad, I think I'm going to throw up. So we just, it was real quick, you know, like, okay, come over in this corner. We start praying. And, you know, we feel like God's on this. We're getting somewhere. We're doing this warfare over her. We're just breaking this off and asking the Holy Spirit to come and just break the authority, break the power of this scheme, this attack of the enemy, just to come and just suck the life out of her as someone who does ministry, who's a mom, who's a wife. And uh, by the time we got done praying, she felt she felt fine. She felt better. She wasn't sick to her stomach. She felt kind of like she just went through something, you know, really, really hard. And, uh, you know, we had to kind of sit down, get some fresh air. But it, it was really amazing how God put in us what we needed to overcome the enemy and what he was doing in her when she couldn't pray for herself anymore. He brought people around her. And I was feeling something tonight during our worship. I was feeling like you don't quite understand and I don't quite understand the power of community coming together in worship of our king and standing for each other, standing around each other. And, and I think the enemy is trying to constantly push us out to the fringes, isolate us. This thing has been very isolating for her because she can't go to things. And, uh, you know, he's constantly trying to do whatever he can to kind of push us out to the fringes, isolate us, Get us in this place of solo, I, you know, have, I, I have to navigate this myself, and then kind of devour us and, and take us out emotionally and physically and spiritually and mentally. And, and I just think that there's so much power in us coming around each other and coming together in worship and looking at what God's doing among us and, you know, responding to what the Spirit is calling us to and and minding each other's spirituality in a healthy way, in a, in a way where we're getting those people that are suffering to Jesus and asking Jesus to come and, you know, and break stuff off of us that sometimes we just can't pray off ourselves. It's very, it's very powerful, and the power of family, the power of Christian community, the power of worship in corporate worship, I mean, it, there's a power there that we shouldn't underplay or miss. Uh, and I'm always thinking, you know, what's, what are you doing tonight, Lord? Like, what, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but I expect that you're doing something. Show us what you're doing so that we can kind of come around those people and see your will come to them. So Jesus did this daily. He healed physical conditions. I imagine that so much of his ministry was, you know, he was interrupted too on his way to go do something. 
Uh, and, you know, sometimes he was on his way to heal someone and he got interrupted by someone else who needed healed and he did it all. He did it. He did it. He was never annoyed by that. He healed physical conditions that resulted from mental and emotional problems like blindness, deception by evil spirits. Deception is a really deceiving spirit. Ha, that's profound, Brenda. Um, I'm finding that there's something about deception. Deception comes along early. Comes along early. It starts to deceive us. And then it afflicts us and brings along other spirits that get us into all kinds of weird, wacky stuff. You know, and pretty soon we're like out here, you know, addicted to something we didn't want to be addicted to or have an adultery affair or something. And we can't figure out how we got down this slippery slope. It started with deception. That's, I th- I'm getting more and more convinced that that spirit of deception is sort of lurking looking for ways to come and plant false truth. That's not really true. And then it just changes our thinking enough so that we think we're okay when we're not. And then when people come along and say, you're not okay, you're not okay, you're not okay, you're on a slippery slope, we go, oh yeah, what am I thinking? Why am I so deceived? And then we get up the next morning and we keep going <laughs> instead of turning around. And I just, I just want to warn the church of deception because it takes you to places you never ever thought you'd go because you're deceived you just can't see you can't see anymore the truth and so it's 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 one of the things that i think is just super common and takes us to some of the most broken and and desperate places um I had a, a really, heard a really cool story that I want to share with you from one, one of the pastors that's on our church planning task force, National Church Planning Task Force. He's a regional CPC in another region. And he was saying that he was doing a, it kind of, it sounded like a, a healing service or like we do here at Unchained. And, but he was at a, he was the speaker at another couple of vineyards uh, in his region. And they were doing some ministry. And it, it was very powerful. The Holy Spirit was there. And, you know, it's really, I love going and hearing the, the Holy Spirit is all over doing all these things, you know, all around the country in vineyards. Um, and he said that he was doing ministry, and all of a sudden this guy comes up to me and goes, you got to come over here. you got to come over here because there is a blind guy who is getting healed. Like, he's starting to see stuff. And so he goes running over there, and, sh- you know, sure enough, the guy is, like, you know, picking up books and, reading the, starting to say, power evangelism. Power evangelism? Is that power evangelism? They're like, yeah. And, you know, he's actually starting to read, and then he starts to look around at people and go, you're beautiful. You have wonder, you know, just all these compliments. And the people that are standing there knew that the guy was blind. In fact, get this, he's the president of the Association of the Blind. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, walked everywhere for years with a cane. And he's at a vineyard meeting, and he gets healed of his blindness. Totally healed. And by the end of the meeting, there was this little crowd of people, and he was just walking around, feeling everything, crying, touching everything. I mean, I, I don't know if he was born blind, or, but I mean, he could see. He's a, he, he could totally see. Blind people are starting, are getting healed of blindness in the United States of America. I mean, I, I saw it once in Mexico. 
But in the United States, isn't that, I mean, the president of the Association of the Blind in Atlanta. It's fantastic. It's like, get on a soapbox, somebody. Do something. But anyway, I had to tell you that. Jesus was healing all kinds of physical conditions like that. And he also uh, healed all kinds of malfunctions of the body, you know, just heart, heart disease, lung disease, allergies, ulcers, high blood pressure. Those w- would be kinds of uh, what we would kind of call organic or, or uh, functions, organs that weren't functioning properly. And he healed all that stuff. So all kinds of conditions from mental, emotional, physical, uh, and demonic stuff. So there are four basic sources of healing. The first one is just divine intervention from God's spirit. That's the kind of healing that we want. That's, you know, this would be directly from God through uh, a prayer or just from, from being in his presence. I think more and more we're going to see people get healed just from being in God's presence, which you can do that anytime, anywhere, any day, right? Like you don't have to be at a special meeting to see God's presence come uh, or even have people pray for you or lay hands on you. But sometimes it might come through the prayer of someone filled with the Spirit or directly from the presence or Spirit of God. And 1 Corinthians 12 says that the Holy Spirit is, is the source of all gifts, and it's the Holy Spirit who gives power to heal uh, the sick to followers of Jesus. And then another source of healing is from scientific uh, medicines. And this would be from herbs or plants or maybe natural medicines, and even chemical drugs that overcome germs or bacteria or certain kinds of illness. And divine healing, you know, God's power is not opposed to elements that that are created through God, through creation, uh, that can be used for healing. So he's the one who, you know, gives the creativity to scientists and doctors and researchers to find these medicines that fight disease. And the Bible clearly says that all those things, all wisdom and every good gift is from God. And so we work with medical science, not against it. It's not, medical science is not the enemy. Uh, I've heard of people who, you know, refuse treatment and medical treatment because they just believe that God's going to heal them. And it's almost as if if God's not going to heal them through divine intervention, they don't want healing at all. So they just reject the medical treatment that maybe God provided for that. And so we have a general rule of thumb. If you're sick or afflicted by disease, then pray first. See what God does. And, you know, if if you feel like God says he's going to heal you on a certain day and you don't get healed, well, then was God wrong or did you hear him wrong? Maybe you should get treatment. So, you know, if you have a headache, pray. If it doesn't go away, take some Tylenol. (laughs) And, and, And that's okay to... Think of it as an option, but not the bad guy. And, you know, if, if the Tylenol takes your headache away, then that's how God took your headache away, was by taking some Tylenol. So if that's his chosen method of healing, uh, it, or if that's not his chosen method of healing through divine intervention, then seek medical help, and perhaps you'll receive his healing. And if you have to receive medical treatment, it doesn't mean that God failed you. And I think that's, we get really hung up there. Um, I, I just saw Authority Heal. There's a guy in my class who goes to our church here. His name is Eddie. And um, Eddie had a, he has a great story. He loved to tell you his story uh, if you ask. But he had a life of drugs and alcohol and often did reckless things under the influence. And he had a very serious 
car accident, rolled over. He was pretty bashed up. Car was destroyed, and Eddie's ear got some. He was badly injured, but his ear got cut off, and it was just hanging there by the earlobe. And actually, part of the ear was left in the car. And he went to the hospital, and someone went back and found it and brought it into the hospital. But the, the appropriate time to put an ear back on or have a body part detached from you had lapsed. You know, what happens is, you know, what happens? Um, you know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Turns green or black or something. And uh, so they bring, Ed, they bring Eddie's ear in. I don't want to get too graphic, but they bring Eddie's ear and they're like, oh, yeah, what's just a waste of time, you know? And, and some couple resident doctors have said, well, let's just sew it back on, you know? So they sewed his ear back on and said, it's not going to work. It's just, it's dead, you know? The flesh is dead, it's lifeless, it's, you know, it's not going to work. And the next day, his, his ear was lot, really pink. And over a period of a few days, and he was going through this incredible healing. He had in the ravine cried out to God and said, save me from my sin. And, you know, that was when he gave, at the bottom of that ditch was when he gave his life to Jesus. If he describes it. Forgot that part. Um, (laughs) It's important. And, and so he's at the hospital, and he's just in God's presence, just asking for healing. And within days, his ear is completely healed onto his head and full of life. And the resident doctors came in, they have all these before and after pictures, and they wrote thesis papers on why Eddie's ear is the miracle ear, <laughs> the real miracle ear, um, because it should never have gotten healed. It should have never gotten healed. Well, you know, explain that. It was a combination of both the doctors and medicine and God doing divine things. And so um, that's just one, another one of the ways God heals us. There is also healing from human faith and psychic power. And most doctors or theologians would call this the placebo effect. And that's kind of what you hear about when a sugar-coated pill uh, really doesn't have any medicinal properties, but it makes people feel better. And it's, it's basically because they will themselves, they kind of put their faith in it. And it's that innate power of the human psyche. I actually think that God probably gave us that too, because that's how some people fight off serious diseases with that power of positive thinking and fighting to live, right? Willing to live. And so it operates through faith and but but if you don't put it in god then it's just faith in the pills or the doctor or yourself and you know some people even turn to faith healers or crystals or lots of other kinds of healing and and that kind of healing or the symptoms i should say goes away and it lasts about as long as the self-faith lasts and the psyche can kind of hold off the symptoms but it's not the same as, as a divine healing. And then there's healing from demonic power. And this might be surprising to you, but the devil has some spiritual power to uh, heal or fake heal people, only basically to win their trust and kind of get them to depend on him. And so he kind of comes to you as an angel of light, and he does some good things, and he deceives, and he kind of enslaves you, and he keeps you kind of coming back to him. And often it's in the form of lies or whispers or temptations or if you do this, I'll do this for you or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's a bargaining chip. It's a, um, 
negotiation. It's not by grace, like God's healing is. Uh, and, you know, he promises you things. If, if, if you do this, I'll make you more famous. If you trust me with this, I'll give you more money. And so he still uses money, sex, and power to enslave us to himself and keep us coming back to him for more goodies. And so this kind of healing is really no healing at all. Because even if the symptoms go away for a time, or even if the symptoms never come back, then the, you know, in the process of losing your symptoms, you've also opened up yourself to some pretty serious deception. And, um, and the enemy's got you kind of wrapped around his finger. And so Satan heals either directly or through humans. And this is also how we would describe white magic or potions or perhaps witchcraft or witch doctors. Uh, you know, because you hear stories of how people go to witch doctors and they get healed. That's, that's this category here. So both God and Satan work with and through human faith and, and the power of the psyche. Uh, but God heals in response to faith in him, not faith in ourselves. And the person's faith or our faith is really not the source of the healing at all. God is. And Satan works through anything or anyone that he can to come between our faith in God and, and to get us to depend on him instead of depending on God when we need help and healing. And some people out of desperation and because they don't want to wait on the Father and they don't trust the Father will go to other means for help because of deception. Uh, years ago, I think it's really important to whom you turn uh, when you're in those places and who you make yourself vulnerable to. Years ago, I was seeking help in some areas that would probably be considered alternative medicine or natural medicine or holistic medicine today. And I was referred to by a friend, this doctor who was a Christian. He was a chiropractor, but did some other stuff. And as I left his office, because I had never actually done anything besides a medical doctor before, I really felt some concern over whether or not I was doing the right thing by submitting myself to the care of this doctor. Uh, although I felt like God had supernaturally kind of led me there and stuff. Uh, so I was praying about it, and, and I was asking God, you know, what, what should I do? And I very clearly heard him drop this into my mind. He said, Brenda, the tool that you, the tool that this doctor is using, the tool that they use, is neither good nor bad. It's in whose hands it in it is in that determines if it's helpful or used for God's purposes. In the same way that, you know, TV is not evil, uh, but it can be used for evil, or movies are not evil in and of themselves, but they can be used for good or for evil, music, you know. So it, the, the, I, the, you know, the things in, that God's given us, whether it's in medicine or, or whatever, um, you know, the tool itself is not evil. It's, it's in whose hands it's in. That, you know, just like the prophetic can be used or misused. So any, any gift is like that. So the presenting problem can be caused by all kinds of variables, and, and it may not be the most obvious cause. And I might have told you this, this is my last story. I might have told you this before, but um, Michael and I were in Mexico on a trip one time, we were asked to pray for a very sick man in a tiny colony. In fact, we were crawling on the bus getting ready to leave because we'd already been there for hours. And a family member begged us to come to their little home down this dirt road. And so we followed this family member down the dirt road and we went into their little two-room shack. And he'd been diagnosed with a brain tumor and was in severe pain. He was just moaning, laying there. He was probably like 70 years old. I think it was his daughter that came after us. And he hadn't been out of beds in weeks. 
And so we started to pray for this tumor. There was a translator, so it was all through a translator. And, and God told us that he had this event in his life with a lot of guilt and shame attached to it from the past. And he confessed that he had this affair with a French woman years ago. And he asked, we asked him if he wanted to actually receive God's forgiveness for that and be healed of all just the negative effects of it. And so he did, and we led him through a prayer of surrender and helped him receive God's forgiveness from his past sins. And so then we went to pray again for the tumor in his head, this painful brain tumor, and it was healed immediately. And he, he sat up in bed and he laughed and he, the pain just had left him and his family was hugging them. And, uh, and so he and his family were totally unaware that the presenting problem, and they're just like torn up about the tumor, right? That's, that's the big kahuna, that presenting problem. Seemed very obvious, but God had like so much more in mind. He wanted to heal him of a lifetime of guilt and shame. And so I love how God leads us down the right path. And he, he gives us his insight and he, he gives us prophetic words. And we don't have to like figure it all out or be, you know, fantastically uh, smart. We just have to learn to hear God, basically. Uh, and, and so we want our approach to healing to be, you know, thoroughly integrated and holistic to heal the whole person and not just the Band-Aid or the topical thing or the affected obvious part. So there's different kinds of healing that we want to kind of learn to discern. And we're going to be talking about these at Unchained for, uh, in, in some coming weeks. But we're going to talk about, you know, moral healing, spiritual healing that's mainly caused by sin, emotions, which is our past hurts and things we've been through, uh, healing of the demonized. And I want to put a plug in for power healing, too. If you've never been to that, it's all about how do we get rid of demons, and how do we deal with them in our own life, and what are the access points, and how does he get in our life, and how do we keep our windows and doors shut, and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's very, very practical, uh, and that's coming up March 19th. But we'll, we'll deal with that in depth there and a little bit here. Uh, and then just healing of the body, which is those organic and functional disorders in parts of our body. Healing of our relationships and healing of the dying and the dead. And the only thing I want to say about this is basically that means that we're gonna, we want to let God be God. And we want to help people face their mortality and die well when it's their time to die because we know that we're all going to die at some point, right? So it's, it gets tricky when someone's aging and they're very sick at the end of their life and you know their whole family is praying for healing. When, when really what's more helpful sometimes is how, how can we let this person die well? How can we help them face their mortality? And, uh, you know, this is a dimension of healing that it also would include, if it's not their time to die, uh, resuscitation. And uh, I believe resurrection happens once. We get a resurrected body, you know, when Jesus comes and gives us that. Everything that happens from death to life before that is literally resuscitating people life coming back into their lungs. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in weeks to come too. So there's these layers of things. There's different things that are going on in a person's life that needs healing. And it's just, it's really crucial for us. And one of the things we teach over and over and over here is not to use a template, lay it over somebody and pray a formula prayer. Because we don't, we don't think that works. Because can you see just how complicated 
it is and how we really don't know all the things that God's doing and what's connected to what. And, and we don't want to use a formula, what we really want. And I think this is hard for us because sometimes if we're not hearing God, what we do is we just go, well, <laughs> I better fill in the blanks <laughs> or I'm going to look bad. You know, and we just sort of start praying blessed thoughts or we repeat their prayer requests back to them. Okay, let's pray for that, you know. And we don't listen to the Lord. And I really want us as a church to learn how to have Christ-centered ministry times, Holy Spirit-centered ministry times, where we're trusting in him, leaning into his ear, listening and waiting and, and praying only what we hear from God for them. And I just, I think that is cool, and I love it that we don't have to figure it all out, is all we have to do is say that we want to be a funnel and let God come, and we need to just learn to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit come and show us what he's doing. That's a lot simpler and more personal and effective. All right, why don't you guys stand up with me? I told too many stories, and I went longer than I thought I was going to. We always like to pray and I think there's a couple of things that God wants to do tonight. I think some of you maybe have looked to the wrong sources for healing. And uh, I feel like we should actually really pray for you. And I think if you just maybe confess that tonight, God will come and heal you in, um, in a divine way. But maybe, maybe you just didn't turn to him. Maybe you didn't know. Um, but if you, if you have any kind of witchcraft or black or white magic or... Um, that kind of psychic stuff in your background, it's really good for us just to pray over you and um, just break the effects of that off of your life. I also feel like some personality disorders, some of that stuff that um, sometimes we fail to pray for because we just think it's a mental disability. Or, and the reason why this is hard is because some people want to stay disabled. Um, they are more comfortable with their disability than what their life would look like if it gets whole. Uh, and if you do get healed from any kind of depression or anxiety or um, personality disorders tonight, I would encourage you to not flush all your pills down the toilet if you're on an antidepressant medication or whatever, um, but just test it for a little while. It's not going to wreck you to take them. It doesn't undo your healing. doesn't mean you don't have faith, but check with your doctor. Say, I think I'm healed of this. And lots of people have gone through this healing, doctors helping them get off their medication. They don't need it anymore. Um, but don't just be smart about that. And um, a couple other words, and then I'm going to have Jordan share any words that she has. But I feel like there's several people here, and I think this has something to do with the, it's the opposite of this incredible family I belong to feeling. It's you, you sort of feel like a lost child. And that maybe somehow you've gotten pushed out to the fringes. And maybe it's just because the church is growing and you're not as connected. Um, but in general, you feel kind of confused and scared and alone. You don't know who you would turn to, to prayer for prayer if you did. And you feel somewhat helpless, even in this community. And I think I got the number 70. And I thought, oh, that's an awful lot of people. But... You know, as many, I just think there's maybe many more people than, than we realize that feel that. And then I um, also feel like, and this is particularly several leaders' faces came to my mind with this word, but um, even if you're not in leadership, I think there's people doing ministry, and you're, you're kind of getting to the end of your gifting. 
And from here, it's going to get a lot better or a lot worse depending on what you do next. And, um, and I also think this has to do with people in workplaces. You're getting to the end of your gifting in your workplace. Um, so not when I say ministry, it's more of just being filled with Jesus and doing what you do, filled with Jesus. But I feel like it's just, he just said, you kind of lost sight of that need for intimacy. And I just want you to come home. Just come home, let people pray over you tonight, and, um, and, and let's just sort of realign. Let's put your face on Jesus and let me be the one to flow through you so it's not about your gifts. What else? This is kind of goofy. I, it's just one, one thought that went through my head. I think, I think that there's somebody with a cyst in their neck, or if it's not a cyst, some sort of neck injury or a sore or something. Um, and also just, um, I just felt like God was talking about cancer. And so if you're in any stage of any of that, um, that's also stuff that we want to pray for. Where did Brenda go? <laughs> there she is. All right. That's how we do ministry. That's how just we roll. We just walk off and leave our <laughs> interns up there. Um, stay up here. All right, okay. So why don't you guys, if any of those things, when we said those words, they kind of resonated with you, why don't you come on up right now? <laughs> 